Well, welcome everybody at all locations, those of you online, east, west, uh, downtown, wherever you're tuning in from, fellows at RCMU, I can't wait to even see you on Christmas. This is going to be a blast. Uh, before I get to opening up this brand new series that we're about to launch, this Christmas series, I think it's important that we talk about some of the immediate Christmas stuff about the play out. So if you're unfamiliar with the Christmas story, let me bring you, well, you probably have seen a, a nativity scene, they call it. And these three guys, some know them, three magi, three wise men, three kings, three... The story goes this way. History tells us that the Christmas story unfolds where these, these magi, these very smart, well-to-do guys show up. They approach Jesus and they bring these gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, pretty fancy gifts. Not the typical gift you bring a baby. I mean, like, where's the, where's the onesie? Where's the box of diapers? That seems more logical. But they show up with expensive, sacrificial gifts. This Christmas scene that you and I have, they bring these gifts. And you and I have songs about it. We talk about it in church and all over all the time. Have you ever thought about why they brought those gifts? Because they could have just shown up just to see. I mean, the way it works is they knew that there was this new king being born. They followed the star. They show up. Most of us know those details. And instead of just showing up going, hey, we saw it, or getting a selfie with the baby, they, 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 they show up and they, they bring majorly sacrificial gifts. Here's what I would contend. They didn't want to just view the moment. They didn't want to just observe what was going on. They wanted in on it. They wanted to participate in this story that they had heard about of a new king that would change the world. Christmas time for us as a church has this exact approach. Not too long, I sent a letter out to, to the church and you may have received it. This letter talked about what we do every year as a church is we want to behave like, like the Magi did where we want to engage Christmas by bringing a sacrificial gift. So we talk about regularly that we do a Christmas offering, a special offering above and beyond what you and I are normally doing on a, on a weekly or, or monthly basis. And so I want to talk about this. I want to invite you to sacrificially bring a, a gift, a financial gift, so that you can be in on what God is doing because what God is doing is it deserves attention. I thought I would highlight some things. You need to know this. It, here's, here's one highlight. 1,259 people, just, just in 2019, just this year, just this year, this is the amount of people, all of them have names, they're real people, there are many of you, that, this is the amount of people who decided to follow Jesus so far just 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 this year. That's a big number. And sometimes many of us can say, that's amazing. That's big numbers. That's awesome. Well, well, if you can, you can go even further into this number. I want to show you what recently happened at, at our Wednesday night student ministry. 13 students got baptized. I mean, I was there. It was awesome. 13 students in front of their, their peers and their family. It was cool. They had all gathered around. And, and it was neat to even see their, their small group leader get to baptize them. 
I'm telling you, to see students, teenagers nowadays, to, to decide to follow Jesus and to go public with it was amazing. But, but again, 13, let's, let's bring this even further down to one. Um, I got permission to tell you this. One of the students that got baptized, there's a story behind it. You see, um, this young girl has autism and uh, has in the past wanted to get baptized but was extremely uncomfortable doing it on a regular weekend with, with all the people and just she didn't know a lot of the people and her mom let me know this, that her daughter got baptized because her daughter felt comfortable with the people in her small group and her youth group. That environment, that environment allowed this moment to happen where she had this great comfort level. I mean, there's, there's over 1,200, that's a big number, but when you get down to one and you, and you hear that this, this young girl who was afraid was not afraid to declare that she loves Jesus, come on, church. That's stuff that we, that, that's a big deal. And so in, in when I bring up this Christmas offering, this idea that we get to participate in stories like that, it's a big deal. And in the letter that I sent out, the letter talked about uh, some plans for 2020, that, that we're going we're gonna to do some things to the facilities that need to be done, but, but the, our hopes are to, to launch the, the Southern Hills location, and, and that's a big deal. But my concern was this. The letter got sent out, but then I got some more reports and I don't know how to pastor you in any other way other than I got to tell you the good and the bad. And I got to just put it on the table and we're not going to hide stuff and pretend about stuff. The goal with that offering was to help launch the Southern Hills location. But after the first three months of this school year, I have to show you this number. Negative 11.52%. That's where we currently stand with one month to go with our church budget. What that means, if you don't understand this, that means that what we projected to be sacrificed, that your family, my family, that all of us would sacrifice on a regular basis, we, we are uh, over 11% behind, which puts me as your leader and our team in a posture where we cannot tell you that and begin to say, that's going to launch a Southern Hills location. But if we launch the Southern Hills location with this existing deficit, you just got to know that we have then created a major bit of problems. And I think I got to talk to you like a South Dakotan, or I got to tell you that there's, we got to be faithful and, and have faith. But I believe with all my heart, uh, God's given us a bit of a gut check. So this year's Christmas offering is not an emergency. But it is a call to action. In fact, I, I have a challenge. Many of us, when you think about an offering, you're like, well, what, what good does it do if, if, if I give the little that I have? Like, what, what, what's the big deal? Well, he, here's my challenge. Here's my challenge for this year's Christmas offering. Every sacrifice matters because every one matters. And you believe that. I believe that. And so I just want to put it out there. We are still, as a church, going to keep showing people who Jesus is. We're not going to stop. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be straight up with you. The Southern Hills location is going to be delayed because we've got catch-up to do. And I invite you to be a part of this. I think this year's Christmas offering can be the best Christmas offering that we've ever had. But it requires you, me, 
all of us, saying, I will sacrifice. I will participate. I'm talking to everyone, even if you're brand new. Would you consider investing into more people's lives like that young girl who got baptized? I think it's worth it. So I encourage you to do it. Be a part of it. You can start right now, by the way. You, you don't have to wait till Christmas Eve to, to give. Uh, that's open even now. You can go online, go on the app. There's, there's many ways you can designate it right now to the Christmas offering. Christmas offering, by the way, though, is important. It's necessary. You need to know the truth. So there you've got the truth now. But there's one more thing that you need to remember. This is crucial um, about tickets. Uh, you need to get your tickets. You got to have tickets. Uh, fellows at RCMU, you do not have to have tickets. Everybody else, you need tickets. So you can go get your tickets, or if you don't get your tickets, that service particular one that you're wanting to go to could all of a sudden not have any tickets. You need to get your tickets. Don't wait, don't delay, get your tickets. We clear? I hope we're clear. Christmas is awesome. It's a great time to tell people who Jesus is. And now you know the good and the bad and the ugly. So now let's jump into this new series that I am super, super excited about. I want to I start with something that, that you likely believe, but we got to go with this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ, see this is, well, this is super relevant to Christmas, to die for us while we were still sinners. God showed his great love for, you can make it personal, for you, for, for me. God loves you and I so much that even while we were still jacked up doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, Jesus came for us. That means God loves you. If you don't know what that means, that means God loves you. That's why I tell you, I think you want to believe this. Let me show you an even earlier one. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God is saying this to a guy that, you don't know, but you can read about him in the Bible, but it's also relevant to you. I knew you before, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. What you can see here is before you were even made, God knew you and he made you. That should be powerful to you that God has known about you, loved you, liked you, and when I, when I bring this up that God loves you, many of us are like, well, okay, okay. I want to believe it. But it's tough. Most of us want to believe God loves us. But we struggle to believe it, right? I mean, come on. I mean, if, if, if you don't struggle with it, I think you're not being fully honest because I think most of us at least have a, have a moment where we're like, you know what, I don't feel like I've earned this, deserved this. And, and we begin to, and if you wonder, like, why do I struggle? If the Bible says, if God has said over and over and over, if he's proven that he loves me, why? why? I think it because it brings up our value. I think we struggle to believe that God loves us because we have many moments that we just don't feel valuable. And value, if you don't know this about you, is a constant battle in your brain. Let me take you back, if you've ever been. If you went to college, great. If, if not, you, maybe you ever sat in, a, in an ethics class. If you ever sit in an ethics class, someone's going to bring up the lifeboat scenario with you. Uh, here's what it is. You have a scenario. You have to decide what to do. This is you. I'm not, I'm not going to make you tell anybody, but at least in your head do this. 
lifeboat. Here's the problem. The lifeboat is full, and here's who's in the lifeboat. You have a male lawyer, female doctor, stay-at-home mom with her kid, and a male mechanic. There are too many people in the boat. The boat is struggling to keep water out of it. You don't have enough food to survive. So the group that I just mentioned to you, the male lawyer, the female doctor, the stay-at-home mom and her kid, and the male mechanic. <sighs> Someone has to leave the boat. <clears throat> this is the ethics question. Who has to leave the boat? Who has to leave the boat? In order for the group to survive, someone has to leave. And this is why you and I begin to wrestle with value. See, some of you right now, some of you right now are going, it's obvious. The male lawyer. Because you have a lawyer. Listen, listen. Your answer reveals that you and I constantly battle with who's valuable, who's more valuable. Value. Value has everything to do with the Christmas story. If you've ever not felt valuable, if you've ever struggled with your daily routine, maybe you go to work and you go like, ah, am I valuable? If you've ever parented and had one of those days where you just doubt your value, you go to school and you come home, maybe you read something about yourself online or someone sends you a note or leaves you a message, texts you something and you're like, I just struggle with my value. Value is an interesting thing. If, you, if you've ever been to a store, I think this will relate, you perhaps have seen someone use the price gun, uh, Simple instrument, there's all various kinds. This is where you got someone who's going through making sure that as you and I go to the shelves and we look at what we want to buy on there is the price. In fact, frankly, many of us won't buy it if there's not a price on it. So if you ever use one of these, you know that you can, you can pretty much dial in the exact price and put it on there. And this is interesting because you and, I, you and I are doing this regularly, just so you know. Just, just walk this out in normal life. You and I on a regular basis are, are dialing in a value and putting it on to someone, right? You and I are regularly putting in like, okay, well, I did this today or they did that. We ascribe a value and we put that value. Let me be more blunt. Uh, many of us are trying to determine our, our value. And so if you don't know what your life looks like, I can tell you what many of us do. It may not literally look like this, but let's use this word picture that we've got this price gun. And let's say you went about your day, and based on your performance of the day, dial in a price, and you, and you labeled yourself, this is what I'm valued because this is what I achieved today. Or the opposite, I failed today, that's, that's lowered a little bit, and, and, and you put a different price. Some of us, it's, it's our how we do at school, it's what's in our bank account, it's... Many of us, it's, it's the problems that we have or we don't have. How our kids are doing or not. You, you got me, right? You got this. <clears throat> Many of us are trying to determine our value. And a price gun reveals that many of us have actually turned that on ourselves and every single day based on how it went or didn't go, we've ascribed a new level of value to us, which then makes us wrestle with the fact, if I feel this valuable, how in the world does God love me? Or maybe, maybe you're not 
that person. Maybe it's more on the outside. Many of us are allowing others to determine our value. You ever been there? Uh, I have. <laughs> Where it's not about what you think, but maybe your new girlfriend or boyfriend or your new teacher, or your new friend, or your new achievement. You're allowing others from the outside to say, hey, because of dot, 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 you're now valuable. And it feels good, frankly. Um, anytime you ever have someone acknowledge that you're valuable, it feels so good. It becomes almost like a drug. And here's what the Christmas story does for us. The Christmas story takes the topic of value and puts it on the table. If you haven't lately thought about where you get your value, I want you thinking about where you get your value. While you're thinking about that, I want to take you into the Christmas story that begins to bring up something that maybe you've never paid attention to. See, typically when we talk about the Christmas story, don't we talk about, well, like I already told you about the Magi or the shepherds or Mary and Joseph and the baby or the animals and the nativity scene. Uh, if you don't know this, um, something preceded that whole story. It's, it's called the genealogy of Jesus. It was a Jewish tradition that you would lay out the genealogy. I mean, it's a genealogy is a big deal to them, huge deal. And so you would oftentimes, someone, when they were born, you, you would see what the big deal would be like, okay, they came from this person who came from that person who came from that person. And it's in that part of the Christmas story that you and I need to have a value conversation. So... As you look at others or yourself ascribing your value, let me take you into the genealogy of Jesus and just reveal some things to you. Here's how it goes. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Now let me just point out something very simple. Uh, Abraham was caught in a lie, known as a liar at multiple occasions. Father of Isaac, who also lied and manipulated Jacob also had tons of issues, but let's go towards the father of Judah, who Judah who organized his brothers, and they began to actually get rid of their younger brother and sell him off into slavery. Do not forget that we're talking about the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. And the introduction leads with, hey, um, <clears throat> here's some guys who were liars <laughs> and, and manipulators. Yeah. Let me show you more. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. <clears throat> this, this is important. Tamar, uh, well, I don't know how to say this without just saying it. Um, she seduced her father-in-law like a prostitute to get some things that she wanted. Do you need a second with that? Again, this is in the genealogy of Jesus. This stuff should have been left out according to history. Normal culture is a Jewish person would be like, ooh, she's out, he's out. We're not mentioning the bad parts. Because it would compromise the value of the one they're talking about. Salmon, the father of Baez, whose mother was Rahab. If you've never read the Bible and don't know much about Rahab, she flat out was a prostitute. It's interesting that we're even bringing in whether you like this or not, <clears throat> some of the women's names, which in that culture you didn't even put into the genealogies because it was a whole major issue, but they're not only doing that, but they're bringing up people that you typically wouldn't bring up. Huh, let me show you more. David, 
was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Now this is interesting. David, King David. Have you ever heard the story of David and Goliath? This is David. David was the father of Solomon, <clears throat> whose mother was some other guy's wife. You caught that? Some other guy's wife. If you don't know the story, David wanted this other lady, so he had the, the husband killed, is what he did. So far, this is not a pretty genealogy. We jump into the story of Jesus, and we conclude immediately because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is amazing. He has so much value. I love how the writer's going, guess where he came from? Here's, here's the lesson to learn for Christmas. Your value isn't determined by your past. As you and I talk about our, our past, as we talk about our value, as we begin to try to figure out, do, does my performance, does my money, does what people think, does that... The Christmas story is a great conversation to have. And in today's world, here's the equation. The equation says that if you can get enough value, then you can get love. In other words, the higher you get your value, the more you do, the better you do it, the more people that like you, the more popular and, and, and affirming that people are offering to you, the better this is, the more you're loved. This is why, frankly, many of us don't feel loved because you can remember the whole price gun where you're go you feel like not only do you have a price, but you have a clearance price on you. That you have all these people walking by you or on top of you and that you don't even matter. I mean, think about anything that goes on sale in a store typically is because someone else, multiple people wouldn't buy it. And many of us go like, that's how I feel. And people who have not adequately or fairly shown you value so you don't feel love. Meanwhile, we live in a culture right now that's so jacked up with how to find value and what to do about that. That it's even messing with the current uprising of generations to where the younger, the teenagers are going, well, how do we find value? I mean, there's been previous generations that have been like, well, just work really hard. Like work Work for your family, earn enough ways. You don't have to spend time with your family. Just work, 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 and then they will find you valuable. Well, I can tell you lately, here's the new thing. The number one job pursuit of the youngest generation is to be a YouTube influencer. I mean, you remember the days where you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? <clears throat> well, uh, an astronaut or a school teacher? Now, this is number one, YouTube influencer. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. It's basically where you make your own videos, put them on YouTube, and they get so many likes and shares and views that you're able to influence other people. You get paid for this, and it's become this, listen, if they can get famous, they feel like they can become influential. If they can become influential, they feel like they can have some value. If they can have some value, then finally they can feel loved. Here, we're growing up hoping to one day become valuable. I hope, I hope you won't just skip past this and assume that this is relevant to others. It's relevant to you. Here's, this is the time we live in. 
is many of us right now will wake up and engage the day of hoping that that day will have a moment or a person that makes us feel valuable. And if that happens, it's a good day. If it doesn't, it's a horrible day. I don't know if you remember something I read to you near, well, near, near the beginning. I want to I remind you, but God showed his great love for us. But God showed, God already showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Do you know what this is saying? This is a complete opposite of today's normal understanding of value and love. In fact, it's a flipped version of this. Here's God's version. Here's God's input on the conversation I'm having with you. Is that love, when you are loved, who loves you gives you your value. And God said before you were even born, before you ever screwed up, before you ever had your first regret, before you ever wounded another person, betrayed this person, before you ever cheated on this, before you ever messed up, flopped out, failed down, before you ever did anything you never should have done, before you ever had that day, that week, that month, that year, that life that you're going, that's horrible, I have not done good things, I have these moments that I wish didn't happen, before any of that played out, God knew you, loved you, made you, and that love locked in your value. I wonder if you operate your day this way. I wonder if you operate your day knowing that, uh, that there's never ever been a person that you'll ever see, heard of, read about. There's never been a person that God didn't love. And here's why this is super crucial. What you believe about God's love affects what you believe about your value. Let me say this again. What you believe about God's love, because some of us right now have been listening to what I've said, and you're like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. What you believe about God's love affects what you believe about your value. If you don't believe you have value, then go after what God's love is. Go after what he thinks about you. The Christmas story isn't just intended to give us... Uh, some great music, some great decorations, definitely great food, great experiences with friends, maybe with family, all that. I think Christmas brings up what God thinks about us. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers. It matters what we think about God, but it matters infinitely more what God thinks about us. And I think you and I need this reminder. What God thinks about us. Uh, a long time ago, uh, there was a church that was wrestling with the real news about Jesus. But what I, what I just told you, that God loves us, but they were wrestling with a different version. I don't know if you've ever had that, maybe with church, where you went to church, you, you were part of church, and, and, and their version of, of God was not actually an accurate version, or their version of Jesus, not an accurate version. Well, there, a long time ago, there was, there was a church, a group of people who, who didn't have an accurate view of, of Jesus. And I think if, if you and I will lean into this, I want to show you what was written to this church, because what was written to this church is relevant to, to our church. I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. Again, more reference that 
Jesus loves you. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. Listen, listen. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. If that's new to you, the good news is the news that Jesus loves you and died for you and, and cares about you and wants a relationship with you, wants to walk your life with you, wants to help you live this fulfilling, satisfying life. But many of us have bought into a misrepresentation, a, something that pretends to be that, where, where this idea that, okay, God loves you if, if you're good or if you're perfect or if you do this. And it's, it's a fake good news. Could you be wrestling with whether or not God loves you because you bought something that was pretend? So what do we do with this? What do we do with the genealogy that opens up the story of Christmas going, the people that Jesus came from are jacked up? What do we do with the Christmas story that raises, puts on the table and says, do you feel valuable? Do you feel loved? What do we do with this? Well, the simplest way, I mean, the most direct way is for me to tell you to believe your value. And for some of us, that's enough. It's enough that, that you, you saw the verses that brought up that, that God loved you that, to send his one and only son for you and I. Like, that this talk about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, this mercy he brought for you and I, that God loves you. I mean, you can, you can maybe take it for credit that the pastor today said that, that God loves you. I'm like, that's enough. I'm just going to believe that. Believe your value. But if you think anything like I think, you can choose to believe something, but then you forget it or you neglect it, right? And, and I gotta tell you, if, if I'm gonna remember something, I have to put it in front of me all the time, all the time, all the time. And so I thought I'd bring something up that is in front of you and I all the time. Uh, it's called your phone. You, you have a phone in front of you. In fact, most of us are probably would be embarrassed to admit how often our phone is in front of us. Can I just say something? What if, what if you put in front of yourself over and over and over again the fact that God finds you lovable and valuable? So here's what we're going to do. We made something for you. We made like a, a background for your phone. Or, I mean, you can do whatever you want to with it. You can put it on, on your computer. Or you can print it out if you want to. But you can find this on, on our Facebook page as a church. And, and what's on there is is the verse that I shared with you, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Believe your value. Listen to me. How do you know that you are valuable? Jesus came to earth for you. Jesus, just by his presence, proves that you're valuable. The problem is, is that Perhaps 10 minutes from now or a day from now, you'll neglect what I just told you is that Jesus came to earth for you, Emmanuel, God with us, proving that you have value. If God shows up to find you and to save you, it means you have value. Now it's time to not forget that, to believe it, to lock on to it. So here's what I encourage you to do is get this background and 
Put it on your phone, put it on your computer, print it out, put it everywhere that you can in front and remind yourself over and over and over and over again that you have value. And the more you remind yourself, perhaps it will lock in and you will find a moment where someone says something to you that they shouldn't or you don't receive what you deserve. And instead of questioning your value, you remember, wait a minute, Jesus came for me so I have value. He loved me before I've done anything good or bad. God loves you. I hope you'll believe it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us have this powerful reminder that you love us. God, thank you for loving us. Um, I constantly roll around in my mind ways to earn that love, um, ways to deserve that love. But God, I know that your love comes before any deserving or earning. Or even if I disqualify myself, God, you still love me. And the same goes for all of us. You love us. You first loved us. Your love is unconditional. God, would you help us as a church to believe that we are loved? And God, for those of us who have believed it and have owned it, Lord, would you give us opportunities to show that love? God, thank you for meeting us where we are. Thank you for this reminder of Christmas. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.